We just finished discussing the remarkable and irreversible movie mm. Irreversible. Yeah, you can't irreversible that out of your memory. No, you can try to reverse all you want, <laughs> but you're not going to forget it. No, no, you're not. Better so, for worse. Huh? No. So, catch anything on the telly? Uh, well, I just saw through uh, a season. They're just ten-minute episodes. You know, the American alternative comedy channel, Adult Swim. Yep. They have a few mavericks over there that make these series that... Really renegades. Weird. Yeah, you, you <laughs> probably can call them renegades in those channels. <laughs> Some of them, they just make this insane shit. And there's uh, this guy called Vernon Chapman. He's made a series a few years ago called Xavier Renegade Angel. Which is insane. Yeah, it's completely, utterly insane. And that one was computer animated. And then they followed up with a, a, a live action series called um, Hotchie Holler, which was low budget, really funny, really weird. And then recently he's made a new series called Shivering Truth, which is a stop motion animated weirdo insane. Uh, he always has such fucked up narratives. Sounds right up your alley. Yeah. Fucked up stop motion. <laughs> I mean, his stories, they always start somewhere and they kind of swivel around with digressions into kind of, it's not just madness. It's almost difficult to follow at times. They don't really have a typical story structure, though they might have kind of like a moral at the end. But Well, a lot of it is just surreal. Yeah, it's deeply, deeply weird and quite fun. You know, and the production value is quite nice, actually, like the puppets and the costumes. I like the format of 10-minute episodes of absolute bonkers weirdness. Yeah. Uh, I don't want 50-minute episodes. That can be a bit exhausting. Well, if it's directed by David Lynch, sure. But uh, <laughs> this yeah. sort of stuff, I think it's like the perfect format. Kind of like Tim and Eric. Yeah. Short form, weirdo, maverick. There's renegades. different kinds of weirdness. <laughs> I would say Twin Peaks and Xavier Renegade Angel are quite separate entities. Yeah. As far as weird goes. Yeah. It's very different. There's also this guy called J.J. Villard who has some series. One is called Super Jail, which is kind of like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, except it's a jail. That's insane. And uh, he had a kind of a He-Man ripoff called King Star King. And he has a new one called Fairy Tales. And I just saw the first episode yesterday. It's about Rapunzel or Boy Punzel, it's called. <laughs> and it's just absolutely insane. I mean, it, it defies description almost with its kind of frantic manic weirdo disgusting funny i need to check this out yeah you should yeah i love his stuff um speaking of uh sort of famous uh cartoonists mm. or famous uh, animation creators pendleton ward yeah. has a new show on netflix oh, did you really? watch it no what, what was that it's kind of fucked up or oh. kind of weird um it's ostensibly sort of revolving around a sort of fictional podcast. Okay. <laughs> but it, it has like this um, main character who's sort of in this weird science fiction sort of multiverse and he has this sort of simulator and he goes into the simulator and he visits these different worlds. He can like select earth type worlds and he goes to the worlds and he sort of interviews people for okay, his okay. podcast. Right. It's, um, it's a nice concept. The animation 
is really cool. Okay. Uh, the art is great. The art style and the sort of art direction. Mm. Oh, what's it called? It's called the Midnight Gospel. And uh, like, there's this sort of, uh, a, there's a bit of a dissonance because almost all the episodes, all the sort of podcast interviews, despite being in this weird and fantastical universes sort of revolve around, there's a lot of meditation and just consciousness and uh, presence and sort of yoga and a lot of like Eastern philosophy stuff. And it doesn't quite stick the landing for me because the worlds are so interesting. The characters are so far out and so cool and mm. so weird. And uh, a lot of it is quite reminiscent of Adventure Time uh, in yeah. its weirdest moments. Mm. But the conversations are like, they can be quite interesting and, and like quite human and um, like well worth listening to. But at the same time, they just seem a bit boring compared to what's happening in the episodes. Okay, okay. Are they the, the central thing that's happening? Or is this just a part of the episode? Well, there's there's sort of a narrative. It's quite weird. Mm. Like there's there's narratives in each episode, but the dialogue between the characters are like, it's like it's taken from actual, and I think it's like a different interview with a mm. different person each time. But that sort of comes across too clearly. So mm. you don't really feel like it's the characters in the animation that are talking you feel like mm. that's sort of uh just a way of visualizing someone else's conversation it's weird but it's not like creature comforts where it's just interviews there's other stuff going on as well yeah there's other stuff going on as well mm. and there is a sort of there is an in-character sort of narrative oh yeah okay uh and that's really cool that's what i really like uh, about it uh yeah. and i feel like the the sort of the long drawn out conversations about consciousness and, and sort of meditating mm. it's and death and life and like it, it's interesting it's mm. interesting it's not bad but I feel like I would have liked it more if it was more incorporated into the world mm. instead of being this sort of almost pasted conversation on top of this really cool and quirky animation. Like in Adventure Time, there's a lot of that sort of themes and stuff as well, but it's sort of, it's baked into the universe mm. in a more, way that's way more satisfying. But uh, it's well worth checking out. Like the animation alone is really cool. Yeah, uh, and it's just so it's just fun to watch all the weird shit going on. It's so creative. Yeah, that sounds good. I'll yeah. check it out. Yeah, the uh, second half of the fourth season of Rick and Morty has also started now. Yeah, I saw mm -hmm. the the new episode yesterday. It was quite fucked up. Yeah, it was so meta. Yeah, I'm not sure I liked it. <laughs> it's the story train. Uh, yeah, the yeah. story train. Yeah, I, I kind of liked it. It, it bears analysis well. I liked how fucked up it was. Like, I liked that uh, Rick and Morty managed to sort of put me off my guard mm, mm, uh, for a minute yeah. because I've was, I was, i I've been so used to the recipe of Rick and Morty. Well, yeah, it avoids going stale, I think, which is well done. Yeah, I like that about the new episode, that it managed to not be stale and managed to surprise me. I feel like it sort of took the place of the interdimensional cable yeah. episode. I mean, they even mention it, so... <laughs> yeah, they mention a lot of meta shit. Yeah. Um, it was... It was like the, the part about the Bechdel test and stuff where um, Morty has to sort of make up a narrative that has women talking about something mm. that's not men. Mm. So stupid, mm. but I kind of liked it. Yeah, yeah. It has a lot of that sort of stuff also about like how to break narrative cohesion is to start praying and then Jesus Christ comes down. Yeah, <laughs> and then the sort of, I'm, I'm Morty talking about like, uh, it was a bit on those and a bit disrespectful towards mm. Christ. And then it's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Jesus saved, saved the day. <laughs> It's funny. But I do like the monologue at the end where he kind of raves about the perfect thing about buying things. He's just staring into capitalism and saying, yes, daddy, please. <laughs> yeah. That's a 
pretty funny. Yeah, I'm not sure I loved the episode, but it was it was uh, yeah. it was interesting. I, I saw an analysis of it which talked about uh, that it's about selling out and trying to fit. You know, Dan Harmon is he has this uh, story device called the narrative circle or something. Yeah, and they reference that very specifically, also with the train going in a circle and all that sort of stuff. And then trying to please an audience or a fan base and um, channel and all that sort of stuff. I think my favorite part was the post-credits commercial. Yeah. Of the story <laughs> trade. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's good. I was like, uh, uh, do, do their lives matter? No, they don't have souls. <laughs> it's just <laughs> horrible. Man, I like that. Like, it was on the nose, but it was trying to be on the nose. And it, well, I don't know. Rick and Morty has always, like, tried to be very clever and it doesn't always sort of work, I think. Mm. It sort of worked in this episode. Yeah, the, the nicest bit is so often when they manage to mix up improvised or playful stuff with their kind of high concept weirdness. Yeah, and, uh, totally. I like how irreverent the episode was. Yeah. I think that's that's the way they should move forward. <laughs> just be as weird as you possibly can. Go as weird as you can. Mm. Just like uh, David Lynch did with the new Twin Peaks for the third season or the, the return. Mm. It was so irreverent towards earlier Twin Peaks, and that's that's the beauty of it. You know, I just had the thought the other day because I was thinking of yeah, Lars von Trier seeing his films and that sort of stuff, and I thought, oh my god, what what if he just did a third season of Kingdom and went this kind of same way that Lynch do, just do something completely unexpected? Seeing him do that kind of soap horror television thing again, I would love to see him do that. Fuck, I would love it, and you know, I was uh, this was just me imagining. I was thinking like. What if the, the main character was uh, Udo Kier and instead of being Oga Kruger, he would be Uwe Kruger. <laughs> and it's just kind of this reverse version of... Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm sure he could do something amazing with that. I'm yeah. not sure that he particularly wants to. But, you know, like Riga was kind of a, a Scandinavian mirror of... That's Kingdom. That's Riga is the Danish title. If Kingdom was the sort of a... The, because they made an American version of the yeah. show and, and that was... Did Stephen King have something to do with that? I, I think he wrote it was some in, of it. Yeah, he it produced some, it. Or yeah. uh, it was terrible. It was so bad. Yeah. They didn't get anything right. And they put in these fable animals or whatever. But I think he could also just refer to as the kingdom in English because they don't use the Danish title. Anyway, that was kind of like the Scandinavian version of Twin Peaks. Uh, in a sort sense. of in a hospital setting. Yeah. In my opinion, that's the that's the most fun I have watching Lars von Trier. Definitely the most fun. Yeah. I'm a big fan of his work, but that's definitely um, the most fun. Although he can be quite humorous other places as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of Lars von Trier. I respect his work, mm. but I, I, I really like it. Mm. That's probably the thing I like too the most. Mm. How much have you seen? I've seen a handful of his movies. Yeah. Um, Any standouts? Uh, the Idiots. Yeah, it's good. I quite like that. Yeah. The one I like the least is probably Dancer in the Dark. I'd like to watch that again. Because that's, that's kind of uncomfortable thing about the Björk situation with that and the probable sexual harassment. Yeah, it doesn't, like, I already didn't want to watch it again, but I mm. probably won't. Mm. Um, I mean, yeah. she's great in it, though. Has to be said, she's really good in that role. I seem to recall it was a pretty good film. I did like it. I thought it fell flat for me, but mm. it's been a while since I watched it. Mm. I haven't watched all of his movies. Mm. Um, the ones I watched, I, I'm just not a... Total fan, but I, mm. I appreciate it. Like, I find him interesting. Mm. He's, he's definitely an interesting director, and we don't have his equal in Norway. Well, that's definitely true. <laughs> definitely true. We do have another Tria, uh, yeah. who's a good filmmaker. Yeah. 
It's it's interesting because you have a bunch of these really great Scandinavian directors, and in some ways you had uh, Ingmar Bergman, who was that the Swedish guy who just had this amazing, interesting, very compact career. Lots of films kind of made an impact, and even though he's Danish, I, f- I feel in many ways Lars von Trier kind of picked up the mantle as this auteur central. Yeah, the, the, I mean, there's a lot of great Swedish directors, others and Danish others as well. Totally, but, but I, I I totally understand what you mean. Mm-hmm. But also, like, just influence wise, he's, yeah. he's, um, he's really picked up the sort of the mantle of the big Scandinavian auteur yeah. that's uh, influenced movies mm. in such a large way mm. as Bergman did, because mm. he was so seminal for a mm. lot of a lot of directors. His work, yeah. They're very different, but one of the things that's kind of similar is that it's easier to forget how funny they both are. Ingmar Bergman has some really funny movies. I agree. They're always viewed as these sort of serious, mm. sort of highbrow intellectuals, these heavyweights of, of sort of auteur cinema. Mm. But uh, I think to be really great, you almost have to have a sort of sense of humor. Mm. Yeah, I, th- I think he's yeah, quite funny as a, as a guy as well. He's, he's kind of pranky. Yeah, uh, in some ways, he doesn't take himself too seriously. His last movie, The House That Jack Built, I think is quite hilarious, really. He's kind of constantly jabbing himself and his career and that sort of stuff. But that's that's great. Like, the ability to use humor is like, it's like a chef. You need to be able to use, like, all the, all, all the flavors. Like, mm. yeah, you, you can't imagine a chef not using like sweet for instance mm. you need to be able to sort of use these ingredients all my meals are bitter that's all they <laughs> taste bitter this bitter that if you don't like it there's something wrong with you true words have never been spoken <laughs> some people like salt i only like bitter do you think there's people who only like bitter yes i'm sure there must be how many millions of people don't exist <laughs> god imagine there what kind of person that would be person. <laughs> Gonna make it more bitter, please. <laughs> Completely bitter. You know, yeah, a lot because of these bitter things... is like nature's way of telling you really don't eat it. Because a lot of poisonous stuff tastes bitter. Yeah, that's true. Uh... We just sort of socially and like culturally have have learned to enjoy these weird bitter tastes. But also, bitter isn't a spice. Like you could say, sugar is there, sweet, and you know, just sprinkle a bit of bitter yeah. on it. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. <laughs> Bit of bitter in your tea. Yeah, I think I'll pass. <laughs> I think I'll pass. Yeah. But yeah, I agree. You should you should have should have your palate. Yeah, as a at least as one of the the big artists, I think uh, having a varied palate and maybe you have some central things, but being able to do all of them is is interesting. I think. But I think also it's essential that you are you, like the, the humor aspect mm. is one thing, but but you have to be sort of mm. playful enough that you can sort of evolve the themes and evolve the the techniques and sort of move the medium forward you have mm. to sort of have this creative flair it's true most people at least you know they, they have all these things in them and you should be able to use them as part of your examination of humanity and society well some people don't <laughs> yeah maybe some people might not have a sense of humor that's relatable i don't know I mean, humor is difficult though i mean people have just different senses yeah. of humor so but even the people who seem humorless i mean i must I imagine that they have their own kind of thing. Yeah, it's difficult to say, like, someone doesn't have any sadness or yeah, maybe you could say a certain amount of people have no sweetness. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Some people aren't that salty. Yeah, I mean, those bitter people probably yeah. aren't so sweet in temperament. It sort of it goes into your brain mm. and rots it. 
But then maybe they like really like Disney movies or something. <laughs> maybe, well, the worst people are the sweet people. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's just saccharine and just just so huggable. <laughs> you know, there's some some deeper, darker horribleness. Yeah, they use all the that. sugar to coat the horrible shit. Yeah. So, in a sense, it's better to just be honest about your bitterness. But uh, when it comes to humor, I think the sort of humor that's the most off-putting to me. Mm. When I meet someone, it's like if they're really into like gags and physical humor. <laughs> well, like prank sort of uh, like prank, <laughs> pranking people. I don't know. I just find that like you're always trying to trick someone. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It is kind of off-putting. Yeah, because yeah. it's like a social game in a sense. Then. Yeah, but it's also like they're trying to, I don't know, yeah, you know, like a social game, like trying to get one on you, and mm. I, don't know, I find it incredibly off-putting. Yeah, yeah. And that's, you know, there's not much of that in the culture that I grew up. I, I suppose certain segments of society, they have these very worn-up kind of humor thing going on. Yeah, like it's uh, it's cultural, of course, like different sort of cultural groupings have different uh, humoristic, like, ideals, I guess. Mm. Functions, maybe. Yeah, functions. It's inter- Like, humor is interesting, but I feel like people are way too much into gags. They're just bad people. <laughs> That's my opinion, and I'm sticking to it. Like, if you try to like put a fake banana peel and try to make this <laughs> fucking break my leg, like you're you're a bad person. Have you ever had that happen to you? No, thankfully. A banana peel. But I think if, if I was like traumatized by these types of people, I would probably dislike them even more than I do. Yeah. To me now, it's just an intellectual concept of disliking these people. But imagine if like your parents always tried to prank you. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> That sounds like terrible. You'd, you'd be so fucking anxious all the time. Mm. Like not trusting anything. Yeah, they're kind of upending all the rules of what's real and what's not. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's really the only advice I have for um, parents. Don't prank your kids. <laughs> that doesn't sound like a horrible parent. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it like creates a funny bond of yeah, pranking. Could be. Pranking through the generations. Mm. Generation prank. Yeah. That's the next one. The generational prank. That's the name of my next novel. Yeah, nice. What's the story beats like? Well, uh, it's about this guy and he grows up and he's constantly pranked by his grandparents and mm. parents. And uh, then uh, a terrible accident happens and someone dies. I won't go into details, but... Yeah. Sounds lovely. <laughs> so it's good in a book when someone dies. Yeah, I think if your book is starting to get boring, then someone has to die. Yeah. That's the trouble about the new Game of Thrones, uh, like the the episodes after the George R. R. Martin books ended, and they had to sort of make up the mm. beats as they went along. Nobody died anymore. Mm. I was always annoyed that Jon Snow didn't die when he died, that they revived him. Well, he died, and that was great. And then they were like, psych, he's alive. We're bringing him back. That's so annoying. It just cheapens everything. Mm. And then you have the, like, the stand against the White Walkers, which was like... They solved that conflict within a day and no mm. major characters died, which is antithetical to mm. George R. R. Martin's sort of... Uh, I mean, I'm not even a huge fan of him as an author, but he has said in interviews earlier that if your character is in a life and death situation and it seems like they sh- they would die doing something, they should die. Mm. Well, he hasn't written that stuff yet, so who knows what's going to happen. I mean, it can't possibly be worse than what we got. Well, you say that. <laughs> Are you saying you, you, you think he'll, 
he'll fuck it up even further. Uh, well, there's no guarantee that he actually will write it finished. That's one thing. Because all these fantasy authors, they die before they finish their works. That's very yeah, typical. Yeah, that's the tradition, isn't it? Like, I think this is something that Tolkien started. It's part of his, his heritage. Well, at least he finished The Lord of the Rings. Yeah, he finished Lord of the Rings. <laughs> and then, of course, he wanted to publish Silmarillion, but that didn't happen. Yeah, that was and his had life so work. Much, yeah. So much of this great literature he he made, and then so much pub- half finished stuff. Yeah, luckily his son published it. I, I think that's also a thing. Like often the the son comes in. Didn't that also happen with Robert Jordan? Was it his son that? No, it wasn't to- his son. Oh. It was uh, another fantasy author oh, yeah, okay. who was like the most prolific, most hardworking author ever, uh, Brian Sanderson. Okay. Uh, I haven't read much of him, but he's very like uh, he's known for just being the. Just finishing book after book after okay, book. Okay. Just so that's good so... for Robert Jordan because he couldn't finish. Yeah, he apparently has like stats on his homepage where you can like see the like the percentage books and how uh, quickly oh. they're like completed and stuff. That's interesting. And he finished the last two books of um, The Wheel of Time. Mm. I didn't read them. They were they were okay. Yeah. How, how did it end? Did it end well? Do you think? Did you like the end? It ended okay. okay. I like I I'm a fan of The Wheel of Time, so I found the sort of shift in authorial voice a bit jarring mm, yeah. in the last two books. So. Yeah. It's difficult to do, I suppose. It felt a bit more simple than his, like his actual books. Mm. But then you had to sort of finish it. They had like bloated and grown beyond mm. the scope uh, that was intended. Much like I think uh, Game of Thrones yeah. has. Yeah. And uh, I have no hope of them being finished. Well, you know... Um, <clears throat> I'm just glad that uh, George R. Martin has been working with From Software. And maybe he can keep the rest of his career just helping them make uh, games or whatever. I'm sure that's a good match. I'm looking forward to Elden Ring. and That I am looking forward to. And we know From Software can finish stuff. So Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> finish great stuff. Mm. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And I pray to God that I will play Sekiro soon. Oh yeah, because... Uh, you have a possibility of playing it? No, I just uh, have a moral obligation to finish Bloodborne first. Oh, yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. Speaking of finishing things, <laughs> I think we can finish this postscript. Any parting words? Parting words for the dead departed. Yeah. In these troubled times. hope this episode could be a bit of comfort or temporary entertainment for people. Temporary relief things. from the incessant, excruciating pain of living in these times and times to come yeah pain to come so um, thank you for now if you want to get in touch you can send us an email at unpleasantmovies at protomain.com and uh, bye 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 bye